Hi, and welcome to our fourth Universalist service video. My name is Ember Kelly. I'm the Director of Religious Education here at the Fourth Universalist Society. And thank you so much for joining us today. What follows is video from our service on April 4th, 2021. This was a special Easter service commemorating the time of renewal in spring. Uh, it was a service led by our Worship Arts Committee uh, featuring special music as well as three reflections. So in today's video, you will have both the reading as well as three reflections. Following that, I will be sitting down with Reverend Jill Bowden, one of the speakers who delivered a reflection, and then we will engage in a discussion diving deeper into the service themes. You're invited to check out our video and our audio podcast each week, posted on our website, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and your favorite podcast streaming sites. This comes in both video and audio format. If you like what you see, we hope that you'll give us a positive review. The likes, the shares, the subscribing, the comments, these all help Fourth Universalist Media spread a little bit further. We thank you again for watching, and we turn now to our reading. to share with you our reading for this morning. It's from author and poet Madeline Langle, and it's entitled Mary, Three Days. Friday. When you agree to be the mother of God, you make no conditions, no stipulations. You flinch before neither cruel thorn nor rod. You accept the tears you endure the tribulations. But my God, I didn't know it would be like this. I didn't ask for a child so different from others. I wanted only the ordinary bliss to be the most mundane of mothers. Saturday. When I first saw the mystery of the word made flesh, I never thought that in his side I'd see the callous wound of Roman sword piercing my heart on the hill where he died. How can the word be silenced? Where has it gone? Where are the angel voices that sang at his birth? My frail heart falters. I need the light of the sun. What is this darkness over the face of the earth? Sunday. Dear God, he has come. The word has come again. There is no terror left in silence, in clouds, in gloom. He has conquered the hate. He has overcome the pain. Where days ago was death lies only an empty tomb. The secret should have come to me with his birth, where, when glory shone through darkness, peace through strife. For every birth 
follows a kind of death, and only after pain comes life. Madeline Langle is most known for her young adult fiction, but she's also an amazing poet, and she, especially her religious poetry, brings her her heart and her own experience of the divine. And I'm going to be, I'm the Reverend Beth Putnam. I'm one of the affiliate community ministers at Fourth U. I'm going to be sharing some of my own experience with Easter. I was raised Lutheran. And when I was a kid, Easter meant maybe my mom would have made me a new dress. And there was potluck after supper. And with so many of those colored eggs baked into Easter stolen, egg hunts, all the joyous parts of Easter. But I think I always loved the hush and the solemnity of Maundy Thursday, even before I was old enough to take part of the observance. And then once I got to be an acolyte and help up on the altar, that was my favorite service to help with. I got to strip the altar, folding the worship cloths, carrying off the cross, the Bible, the communion set, until it was all dark and bare and empty. That quiet, empty altar, just a waiting space. I love those moments. As a teenager for church sleepovers, sometimes I would kind of sneak into the sanctuary on my own and just sit in the darkened altar space and feel that presence that quiet gave me a glimpse of a real connection to the divine, just me and what I called God sitting together in the dark. And oftentimes when I'm struggling with loss or facing its possibility, even before the grieving, I can find that same quiet connection that it reminds me I'm not actually alone, even when I'm sitting in the dark space with no one else. But even that sense of connection doesn't take away the sense of loss, especially when grief has been close or has felt overwhelming. After the quiet, after the sitting with the loss, and there's the need to move toward life again. I don't know if I ever actually believed in a bodily resurrection, even back when I was a good Lutheran kid going to Sunday school. Thank goodness I was raised in a tradition where doubt was okay. I was raised in the liberal end of the Lutheran spectrum. But I can say now I have seen the healing of resurrection just in a very different way. As some of you know, I serve as a chaplain in a hospital. I serve at the, the Veterans Administration Hospital here in Manhattan. And I have seen a lot of losses over this year and over the years of my ministry. But even with the pandemic, certain losses were extra hard. Several years ago, we had one year where we had four staff members all die within one month. And that site, all the staff was walking around in a haze of grief. And so I coordinated with the supervisors of the services um, that's what we call our departments because we're, you know, veterans, so we all have service. Um, 
to do memorial services for each of those coworkers where they could get together and mourn the losses. And then yes, there was quite a lot of crying, coworkers hugging each other in sympathy, some struggling to speak. But as we remembered, the moment would come when it happens. After the stories were told about what, the, what a great person that person was, what an example of their profession or vocation, someone would share a joke that the person told, a running nickname they used for someone else. And suddenly I and everyone there could hear the laugh, could see the head thrown back at just that angle feel the joy of that particular life and the one who had lo been lost was present. They were still with us. And in that room, I and the others could feel the change. The healing had begun to spread. The room that was filled with tears was filled with laughter. There were still tears and hugs, but oh, the laughter. Resurrection had come. The dead and their memory were whole again for just that moment. And with it came joy and healing and a sense that life would continue on again. The worst of the dark loss, the aloneness, the silence was over. And we could again celebrate life and love and joy together. So happy Easter. May you find new life, the pathway to new joy, however and wherever you find resurrection. I'm gonna hand on now to Deb Roth, who'll continue with her reflection. Good morning, everyone. I grew up, what I like to say, as a wonder-bred wasp in upstate New York. Corning, to be exact, where they make the glass. We went to church on Sundays at the, fourth, at the first Presbyterian church just down the hill from our house where I sang in the children's choir. Then as a teenager, when my parents insisted that I couldn't just stay in bed on Sunday mornings, I taught Sunday school for the youngest kids. I was a big fan of Easter, chocolate bunnies, Easter egg hunts in the park across the street, big family dinners with lamb and mint jelly, what's not to love? And I got to sing my favorite hymn with all those alleluias, which we've heard today. Only then it was, Jesus Christ is risen today, alleluia. Then around 16, I had an epiphany. If I, as a Christian, believed that Jesus Christ was the only son of God, then didn't that somehow nullify all of the other religions. I remember that word nullify. It felt very powerful to my 16 year old brain. And while I may not have completely stepped away from the church at that point, it definitely started my, my own spiritual journey. Fast forward to 1992, when I walked into Fourth U, looking for a spiritual community the plan was to look at all the other UU churches in the city. I never got beyond 4th U. 
but looking for a community where my Jewish husband, although at that point he was more Buddhist than Jewish, so a Buju, at that point, we were looking for a place that, that we could raise our young boys. It was here that I was introduced to earth-centered spirituality and to the goddess by Reverend Daryl Berger, who was the minister at the time and one of the founders of Cups of the Covenant of UU Pagans. The idea of the divine as feminine was revolutionary for me. It rocked my world as in, oh, that's what was missing. Daryl gave me a copy of Rianne Eisler's Chalice and the Blade, which uh, chronicles anthropologically, historically, archeologically, the pre-Christian Judeo goddess religions and really set me off on the lifelong journey that I'm still on. Without going into any great detail about all the components of that journey, I got ordained as an interfaith minister. I wrote my master's thesis on the divine feminine and feminist psychology and wrote a, written books and papers and articles and everything else. I'd like to share with you what I discovered about Easter and how, how I, I've been able to reclaim its message as an earth-centered goddess-worshiping moon lover. Many of you know that I have facilitated the new moon circles at Fourth U for the last 25 years. So I loved discovering, and some of you probably know this as well, that Easter is actually a moon-connected holy day. It's set each year to be the Sunday, the first Sunday following the first full moon after the spring equinox. The name of Easter, we believe, actually came from another pre-Christian uh, Judeo um, uh, uh, goddess, an Anglo-Saxon goddess called Yoster. And it's actually spelled very similarly to Easter. It's E-O-S-T-R-E. And she was the goddess of spring. She was celebrated this time of year and was the goddess that had to do with fertility and renewal and, and rebirth. The only reference we can find to her is, is from a British monk called the, the Venerable Bede, who wrote things around the late seventh century. And there was a legend about Yoster that she found a, a rabbit, sorry, she found a, a bird that was dying in the winter and she transformed it into a rabbit, into a hare so that it would survive. Even though it was a hare, it still continued to lay eggs like the bird. And there we have our Easter bunny and our Easter eggs. But where I've really been able to reclaim the Christian meaning of Easter in its message of resurrection and rebirth is not so much obviously in the, for me anyway, in the literal resurrection of Jesus, but it's really not hard to miss the metaphorical, and we've been talking about that today, the, the metaphorical theme of rebirth and return to life that's bursting out all around us right now, this, these spring blossomings that are happening everywhere. In our spring equinox service a few weeks ago, we took you through a seed meditation to reflect on what new ideas, projects, intentions you might want to plant and to nurture throughout the springtide. With Easter, I invite you to look back instead of forward at those memories that you buried, at the interrupted dreams maybe that you had to lock away either from childhood or over the last year from the pandemic. And maybe even a particular strength or talent that you've allowed to wither or die from lack of time or energy. At some point today, 
I, in I invite you to just take a quiet moment to go within to that inner space, maybe your own tomb to continue that analogy and see what's, what's lying there. Is there a memory that could be healed by bringing it to the light or a dream that needs to be resurrected, a talent or a passion that wants to be rebirthed or renewed? Maybe make a commitment to take action around it. Maybe starting with a declaration at your Easter dinner, if you're doing that, if you're planning one with family or friends, and invite everyone to do the same, to state what buried part of themselves, whether it's a memory or a dream or, or a talent, whatever it is, what they would like to bring back to life. And then maybe you can sing the UU version that Sean shared with us today of my favorite hymn. Here's another version that I found, which just also feels so totally UU. Christian, Muslim, Buddhist, Jew, Alleluia. All our ways of loving you, Alleluia. Many rainbows share one sun, Alleluia. In the many, God is one, Alleluia. Blessed be, Namaste, and Amen. And now I pass our virtual mic onto Reverend Jill for our last reflection. Thank you, Deb, and thank you, Beth. If you were with us for our solstice service, as Deb and others have mentioned, you heard E.E. E. Cummings' poem that includes the words, I who have died am alive again today, and this is the sun's birthday. Cummings' words, when connected with the spring solstice, make earth-centered sense. His words, however, are a paraphrase of the Apostle John's words in Revelation. And yet it is with Cummings that I found a place to connect to the resurrection, to make it real and authentic in my own life. As a young person who questioned everything and which of us doesn't, I searched for a way to stay connected to the truths of my Christian upbringing and found something even more. As many of you have as well, I embraced a canon larger than that of the books of the scriptures and the gospels and added the heartfelt and soul lifting poetry of Cummings and Mary Oliver and others so that now I can say that I am a post-Christian. I still believe, and I believe a lot more too. Living resurrection, an authentic voice alongside the Christian resurrection incorporates what I see as a larger truth, the truth of a living earth, a living universe. The book of Revelation, the last book of the Gospels, the Christian portion of the Bible, is John's most famous work. John wrote Revelation years after Jesus' death, and his words predict the end times that are a central focus among many of our Christian sisters and brothers. John, the mystic, imaginative, youngest of the disciples. He's the one who stands in the center of the mural behind the table in our sanctuary. 
John stood on the earth and saw visions, visions of what might come, visions that came from the deepest desires of his heart to be reunited with the prophet and holy man who showed him how to be more than himself. John stood in the thin place between reality and his heart's desire. That place where what each of us can see and touch comes up against what we believe or what our intuition and the deep desires of our hearts affirm, perhaps incorrectly at times, but with great conviction and heart-leaping hope that what we believe might really be true without any empirical proof. Creation, it is said, was accomplished in six days, six God days, creation days, not human days. And scripture tells us it was good, not perfect or done or finished, but just good. We who are alive are in co-creation with all that is to make what we will of that initial creation, however we imagine it. This requires constant, continuous change, and change is messy, and therefore so is creation. There was a beginning. Even astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson believes that and is set out to measure what happened in the first infinitesimal moments of creation when even time was new. I refer you to his book, Astrophysics for People in a Hurry, for a real roller coaster of an experience of birth and rebirth and, yes, resurrection. And now, every day, we are born to new life, to new possibilities limited only by time, available resources, and our imaginations. How will we use the time and the space and the resources that are allotted to us? That is the real question. How our behaviors will make use of our little piece of the resurrection. I propose that we use John's ideals to help us do what writer Annie Dillard has proposed to, and I quote, abet creation, to witness to it, to notice each thing so that each thing gets noticed so that creation need not play to an empty house. End quote. Let us feel our own hearts lifted so that we can help with creation, to make it better, to leave it better than we found it. Let us be the ones to do the hard things, to liberate the oppressed, to feed the hungry, to accompany the sick and the dying, and to relieve the suffering of those who are the most vulnerable in our world. That is resurrection, taking that which is broken and giving it new life. May it be so.
in this and in all worlds. Amen. Shalom. Salam. Om Shanti. And blessed be. I am so excited today for our reflection on our reflections to be sitting down with Reverend Jill Bowden, one of our affiliate ministers who also delivered one of the reflections today. So Reverend Jill, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for inviting me, Amber. It's always nice to be able to think about it as a whole after we've done the service. Right, I find it, you know, it, it really challenges me during the service to be like, okay, what am I thinking about for this afterwards? It keeps me on my toes. That's uh, why I sometimes am, am turning off my video just so I can be jotting down notes without people thinking, what's Ember writing about during all of this? Uh, you know, I gotta, gotta keep on my toes. It's very true. And I have my notes pages in front of me. And then I have the script on my screen. And then I'm trying to follow what's in the chat. So if somebody is in need, we're attentive to that. There are just so many moving parts. There's no way to think about the whole. Right, right. It is, uh, it is an adventure on Sunday mornings, whether, and especially these last two with last week with having to quickly adapt with uh, Reverend Schuyler's baby coming and then this week with uh, the worship arts team leading things and having such a uh, multifaceted service with, uh, you know, different reflections, uh, special music from Sean, uh, yeah. the most kids we've had for a time for all ages since I think when is I started. That true? <laughs> there was so many kids and it was so good to see them. But I was like, <laughs> I'm like, Phew, I'm expecting like one kid to answer. I got I got like a lot of kids to call on here. Me and Colin were unmuting people at separate times. And it was it was a good adventure to have. But uh, so it was a really, it was a fun service uh, getting to, to have all that Easter energy, that spring energy. So I yeah. suppose that could be kind of where we could start would just be, what does, you know, I talked about in my time for all ages, that spring has sprung. What does spring mean for you? <laughs> if you were, if you were one of the kids that I was calling on, what, what would you say that spring means to you? <laughs> ooh, ooh. <laughs> oh, I love spring. It It's. It's the best. And I think I said in my reflection that, that I looked for a way to, to make meaning of that in, in my life. Um, I grew up on a farm. I was a farm kid in Southwest Wisconsin. And in Southwest Wisconsin, it very often snowed on Easter Sunday. So we didn't get to wear our new Easter outfits. And, and we were thinking about, wait, this is spring. We're supposed to be reflecting on what's new and growing, but everything's covered with snow. So what does that have to do? So we really had to, had to look at things from a religious perspective. But I think somebody said during our reflection that they found out from the time they were a little kid, they didn't really believe in the, the Trinity in traditional religious beliefs. And I think that's true for a lot of us who are Unitarian Universalist. We had to look in other places for the bigger meanings. Oh, that is a, that's a nice connection there. I will say that uh, growing up, fall was always my favorite season, but it was largely just because my birthday was in September. And then as I got older, my allergies seemed to be the worst in the fall. So then you know, quickly it turned its back on me. And then I really liked winter. And then I started driving and I didn't like winter quite as much. <laughs> so now it's kind of down to spring and summer. And, you know, summer was so hot in Vietnam that I feel like 
I've gotten used to spring as being a really nice time of year for me. So it's, it's growing on me. Spring is growing in, in many senses. I'm just a hopeful, uh, the, the one thing they don't tell you about moving to like this, this part of the, the Northeast, especially the East Coast itself is, is that breeze that you get um, from, from the ocean. Uh, because it can turn a nice sunny spring day into a cold spring day just because the breeze is so cold. Uh, it's a it's an interesting <laughs> an interesting um, thing. And so you mentioned uh, that you know we don't always have traditional beliefs about things as as you use, and that for many of us this has been a journey, and it's been a journey that led us to becoming you use. Uh, but today we talked a good bit about resurrection, which as soon as you say it, it kind of sounds like, oh, well, you're talking about those, those traditional Christian ideas. So as you use, you know, what do you think that the idea of, of resurrection can, can bring to our theology, irregardless of what we believe about different um, theological ideas? Well, you gave me a real lead in just from your discussion about how you have evolved as a person during your life to how you think about things. It's like, oh, wait a minute, spring is really wonderful, but then it can turn into a really cold, windy day. So maybe that's not so good. So maybe fall is the best, but then there's allergies. So wait, it's, it's all kind of a mixed blessing. And as you grow and learn, and as the years go by, you start to add additional things to what you know and what you believe. And when you tell yourself the story of your own life, well, that changes because the four-year-old you talking about spring informs the older you that, well, this is how things are. But the older you was saying, mm -mm, no, there's, there's more that you're not thinking about. So that's what happens, I think, to many of us who become Unitarian Universalists who aren't raised to think about this piece and this piece and this piece and this piece, but to incorporate it as we grow older and then go looking for a faith that will accept us as we are and will give us more to think about. Um, I was a hospital chaplain for many, many years and what always was most important to people was meaning and purpose. And those are the things that change as our story changes as we grow and get older. So the story changes. You have your four-year-old self inside you, but you are more than that four-year-old self. I will resist the, the urge to turn this into a discussion about doing inner child work. We'll leave that for a, for a different <laughs> service on another day. Um, it's but, I mean, all we inner child work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's some truth there. Um, see, we're getting some extra nuggets for, for people to, <laughs> to enjoy here of wisdom. Uh, and so, you, you know, you talked about how we find new ways to kind of create this meaning. You know, I, I was joking with somebody. I, I've been making a lot of meetings recently. There's a lot of different moving parts going on as we get ready for summer and everything. Yeah. I said, I, I may work at a UU church, but gosh, Easter season is busy. Like, I got kind of an unexpected thing I didn't you know expect that I'm like oh whew, like I don't got to worry about a big fancy uh, you know expectations for Easter quite as much but it 
it's still, you know, I think it's that, that season of, of life where in the spring, especially after such a, a long winter for all of us that we are um, eager to be doing things because, okay, the weather's nicer, like let's get outside and let's enjoy. So I feel like Easter has a little bit of a special significance this year too with, with like COVID. Um, yes. would, would you agree with that? Especially like having worked in, when, in chaplain work. Yeah, and over, well, and it was a long winter because we were so isolated. Usually winter is broken up a bit and you're together with your family for Thanksgiving or you're together with your family for Christmas and the new year and the winter holidays. But we didn't get all of that. If we were being responsible this year, we stayed isolated so that we didn't spread COVID. Um, many people are getting so itchy that they really want to get out and go places and do things. But you have to look at the numbers and say that COVID is still huge. There were 61,000 new cases of COVID diagnosed yesterday. Yesterday. This isn't over. And so our urge to be spring and to spring and to jump into spring and to spring out of this place that we're in right now just needs to be a bit restrained and we need to be careful of the people that we love and care for and ourselves. It's, um, mm -hmm. it's not the unrestrained spring that we would like it to be and we all wish it was because it's been a long, hard, lonely winter. Oh man, I'm gonna have to cancel my spring break plans to Cancun now. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Oh, Listen, listeners, there's no secret plan for me to go to Cancun. I'm busy enjoying <laughs> life here in New Jersey um, as much as one can in New Jersey. So I, I'm gonna look at my notes to make sure I have the phrasing right. You said in your reflection specifically that you still believe, but you believe a lot more in terms of talking about Easter. Would you like to maybe touch on that a little bit more? That, that fascinated me and kind of resonated with, with my journey. Uh, so I'd love to hear oh. a little bit about it, like what that meant when, when, you, when you said those words. Yeah, um, and I said more about it in my reflection because my very favorite poem in the whole world is that E.E. E. Cummings poem that, that I quoted and that we used during our solstice service. I who have died am alive again today, and this is the sun's birthday. How could you get any more joyful than that statement? And if you think about it, the earth is reborn. I walk in Central Park nearly every day and I'm looking at all the new things coming up and every new thing is like a resurrection because Central Park was pretty gray and, and cold during most of the winter. But now the hellebore are blooming and I just found out that hellebore is called the Lenten Rose. Who knew? There are all kinds of things to celebrate. I just found out that Forsythia is called the Easter tree. Who knew? There are wonderful things to find out and, and to add to our reasons to celebrate. So when I think about E.E. E. Cummings' poem, and then I think about where Cummings got the words from, it sounds like a nature-based poem but it's really based in John's gospel, the revelation. So I think all the time about where things come from and Christianity just didn't spring up brand new. It was layered onto what was already present. 
people knew spring, people knew religions before Christianity come along, came along. And what happens is people layer things one on the other so they continue to have meaning. And I think this is, is another instance of that for me. Um, I once had a funeral for a baby bird and then, sorry if this is kind of gross, but I was a science-based kid. So I dug it up two weeks later to see what happened. And the baby bird was in the process of becoming earth again. That's what happens. And as a kid who's raised on a farm, we saw that happen over and over. So these things aren't just of a piece, terrifically brand new. Maybe they were like that at the beginning of time, but now everything is layered and has attachment and meaning to something else. So I believe, but I believe a whole lot more too. I believe what my four-year-old four-year-old self believed and I believe what I believe now. And there are layers in that meaning that I didn't have access to when I was four. That is an expansive and beautiful uh, statement of theology. If only I'd been hearing that sort of stuff in seminary instead of, no, I, I can't complain about my most recent seminary, only my first seminary. Uh, but Reverend Jill, thank you so much for, for sitting down with me and sharing this. I, I enjoyed the, the wisdom of getting to dive a little bit deeper into the, this, this, this service with you. Thanks, Everett. Thanks for inviting me.